Mr. Bagan, you're looking for me, I panted. Yes, where's my speech? On the desk by the window in your suite where you told me to put it. No, not that one, my original. It's in my pocket, you need it? Yes, immediately. When are you leaving for the White House? At 12.40. I looked at my watch. The dial said 12.20. A shiver ran down my spine. I'll bring it over right away, I said, not having the slightest idea how. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 227. Menachem Begin's Shir HaMalot. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. In his magnificent memoir, The Prime Ministers, Yehuda Avner gives us a front row seat to the events leading up to what was probably the most famous speech of Menachem Begin's life. As Begin's speechwriter, Avner had been intimately involved in the preparations for the signing of the peace treaty with Egypt at the White House. Avner writes, quote, It was 25 March 1979. The ceremonial signing of the peace treaty was but a day away, and Menachem Begin's speech, scheduled for worldwide broadcast, was still incubating in his mind. His original intention had been to draft it during the long and tedious flight from Tel Aviv to Washington, but the journey turned out to be too distracting. We were traveling in an antiquated Israel Air Force Boeing 707, refurbished with discarded LL seats, many of which were occupied by cabinet ministers, and as a demonstration of national unity, a sizable contingent of opposition members, led by Yitzhak Rabin and Shimon Peres. His fellow travelers kept the prime minister engaged for much of the time. And the turbulence over the Atlantic was so severe, it made me feel like a piece of salad in a colander tossed by a particularly energetic chef. So, by the time we'd unpacked at the Washington Hilton on Connecticut Avenue, where we were lodging, I was longing for bed. Go to bed, said the prime minister, when I walked into his suite to check on the status of his speech. You look done in. I'll ring you first thing in the morning when it's ready. And so he did, at 5 a.m. Still bedraggled and bleary-eyed, I dragged myself to his suite and found him in a dressing gown full of beans. Kindly Shakespeareize this, he said, passing me eight pages of his tight vertical scrawl. I immediately set to work, handing page after polished page to my secretary, Norma, who checked and rechecked it with particular attention to the English translation of Psalm 126, which the prime minister wrote down in his original Hebrew and which I copied into English from a Gideon Bible I found in a bedside drawer. After going over the typed version one last time, I placed it in a luxurious black leather folder, which I had brought with me from Jerusalem for the occasion, and carried it to the Prime Minister's suite, where I found him breakfasting with Foreign Minister Moshe Dayan and Defense Minister Ezer Weizmann. Please place it on the desk by the window, he said. If there are changes, I'll let you know. End quote. Avner did exactly that, assuming the speech was done, but it was not, and Menachem Begin would ultimately deliver personal remarks placing at the heart of his speech a psalm that bound him to his family and expressing thereby the hopes and yearnings of Jewish generations. Psalm 126 begins again with the words Shir HaMa'alot, which Menachem Begin rendered a song of degrees, but I will translate as a song of ascents. And then the psalm continues. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the nations, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Return again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing the seed bag, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. As many note, the psalm speaks partly in the present and partly looks toward the future. It is assumed by most that the psalm speaks of the foreordained return from Babel, ordered by Cyrus, which allowed Israel to build the second temple. But the psalm became for Jews something much larger. The original tradition of many Jewish communities was to precede the grace after meals during the week with another psalm, one that we will study soon, 
Psalm 137, which begins, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept, when we remembered Zion. But on the Sabbath, which, as we have discussed, is considered by Jewish tradition to be a foretaste of redemption, Jews sang Psalm 126 prior to the grace after meals, thinking of returns to Zion, both past and future. And since our subject today is Menachem Begin, we must consider the relevance of both of these psalms. First, by the rivers of Babylon. For me, that psalm will always be associated with the day that I visited Brisk, or as it is now known to most, Brest in Belarus, the hometown of Begin and of my family. As I've mentioned in both written and spoken remarks, right before I left on this trip, the New York Times had published a story describing how, in Brisk, construction workers preparing the foundations for a new luxury building had just uncovered 1,200 skeletons, the remains of the murdered Jews of Brisk's Jewish community. When we arrived, the Chabad rabbi that is now in Brisk took me to the large pit where the skeletons had been discovered. I was, essentially, looking at a valley of the shadow of death. One member of our group suggested that we say a psalm, and a single psalm sprang immediately to my mind. And so we sang, Al Naharot Bavel, Sham Yashavnu Gambachinu Bezachreinu Etzion. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat, yea, we wept, as we remembered Zion. By the rivers of Babel, by the rivers of exile. It was an apt psalm to say, Brisk is built on the river Bug, and that river figures in Menachem Begin's account of what happened to his father when the Nazis came to Brisk. Quote, 500 Jews were led one day to the banks of the Bug River near Brisk, Ir Va'em Bi Israel, which means, as we've discussed previously, a mother city in Israel. My father, Begin continued, was among them. Begin then describes how his father rallied the others to sing the Animamin, professing faith in the coming of the Messiah, as well as Hatikva. Begin continued, quote, Everybody sang, The Germans pushed them into the river and opened fire on them. The Bug River reddened from the blood of Jews. My father and teacher, my elderly father, was with them. End quote. Thus, by the rivers of Babylon, by the Bug River of Belarus. But, growing up, Begin would have been taught by his father and mother in Brisk to sing of Zion, to sing of a return to Zion, to sing the Psalm of Ascents, Psalm 126. And this intergenerational link is itself central to Jewish endurance. In a famous Talmudic tale, a miracle maker by the name of Choni read the Psalm's phrase, we were as dreamers, literally, as if it described people who slept for the entirety of the exile. Choni, the Talmud tells us, then encountered an elderly gentleman planting a carob tree even though that man would not live to see that tree bear fruit. The man explained to Choni that he had found carob trees waiting for him planted by others in this world. And just as those who had come before had planted for him, he, the man, said to Choni, would plant for those that follow. Choni then fell asleep and woke up 70 years later and met this man's grandchild partaking of that fruit. The message of the story, I think, is that exile is faced not through sleeping through it, but by passing down dreams of return from generation to generation. That is truly planting for the future. And that, perhaps, is another meaning to the verse in Psalm 126. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. It is with this in mind that we can return to Begin's speech in Washington. Avner, as we mentioned, left the final draft for Begin in his suite. Suddenly, he recounts, he was told that Begin wanted to speak with him. He ran to the phone. Quote, Mr. Begin, you're looking for me, I panted. Yes, where's my speech? On the desk by the window in your suite where you told me to put it. No, not that one, my original. It's in my pocket, you need it? Yes, immediately. 
When are you leaving for the White House? At 12.40. I looked at my watch. The dial said 12.20. A shiver ran down my spine. I'll bring it over right away, I said, not having the slightest idea how. But then I spied Secretary of State Cyrus Vance casually chatting with an Egyptian, and in desperation brandished the speech in his face and said with deadly seriousness, Mr. Secretary, unless I get this document to Mr. Begin at the Hilton Hotel within 10 minutes, there will be no signing ceremony today. He stared at me in disbelief. Come with me, he snapped, and he strode to the front door where he collared a senior police officer who ran down the steps to a waiting police car and ordered the cop inside, get this man to the Hilton in 10 minutes or I'll have your head step on it. Siren blaring, we hit 80 kilometers an hour within a block, whereupon the policeman extended a massive paw and said, Shalom Aleichem, I'm A.B. Feingold. I'm one of four Jewish cops on the Washington Police Force. Pleased to meet you. End quote. This chapter in Avner's memoir is titled, A.B. Feingold Saves the Peace Treaty. Avner further recounts, quote, I ran into the lobby just as Mr. and Mrs. Begin were exiting an elevator surrounded by a bevy of bodyguards. Baruch Hashem, cried Begin when I handed him the pages. Thank God you caught me. The speech that I left on your desk, it's not what you wanted, I asked, somewhat peeved. You weren't happy with my changes? Oh no, they're fine, he assured me. It's just that as I was going over the type text, I suddenly had the feeling that today of all days, I want to read my own speech exactly as I wrote in my own hand. And to make the implicit explicit, he added, I wrote it from the heart, and I want to read it from the heart, end quote. So Avner informs us, and I am convinced that when Begin spoke of words from the heart, he referred especially to the end of his speech, where Begin, in extraordinary moments, said the following, quote, this is the proper place and the appropriate time to bring back to memory the song and the prayer of thanksgiving I learned as a child in the home of my father and mother that doesn't exist anymore because they were among the six million people, men, women, and children, who sanctified the Lord's name with their sacred blood which reddened the rivers of Europe from the Rhine to the Danube, from the Bug to the Volga, because only because they were born Jews and because they didn't have a country of their own nor a valiant army to defend them. That's what Begin said, and then after those words, Begin took out a yarmulke, placed it on his head, and read in Hebrew the words of Psalm 126, For Jews in the audience and around the world, it was this moment that would never be forgotten. Suddenly in Washington, the Prime Minister, at the highest point in his career, chooses to focus not on himself, but instead to remember his own parents and so many others, whose blood ran throughout the rivers of Babylon, the rivers of the Diaspora, from the Rhine to the Danube, from the Bug to the Volga, and then, standing before the world in the White House, he makes it known that it was because of those Jews' loyalty to the memory of Jerusalem that the return to Zion could actually occur in his own age. And suddenly at the White House, the memory of the murdered Jews of Brisk and of so many other communities lived again. I speak of Begin often, and the comment I have heard most from so many after I speak is something to the effect of, I will always remember watching Menachem Begin place the yarmulke on his head and read that Shir Hamalot in Hebrew. I was myself two years old at the time, but having watched it now myself, I find it impossible whenever I sing the psalm not to think of Begin and his father and his mother and the Jews of my family's community. And so whenever I recite that psalm that speaks both in present tense and future tense, I thank God for the miracles in our time. And thinking of the loyalty, love, and longing of the past, I pray for the advent of many more miracles yet to come. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together tomorrow, signing off.